coming up on the Barbara Rainey Podcast. The empty nest is messy. And sometimes in order to figure out who we are and what we're to do in this season, we need to take a break. What do we want to do with the rest of our lives? What do we want the rest of our lives to look like? And on the floor of the closet, I saw a rumpled old blue prom dress. It was not needed anymore. I thought, that's just how I feel. So it's a wonderful opportunity for us in this, in this season of life to look forward to the empty nest. We intend to use our lives for God's purposes for as long as He gives us breath. Welcome to the Barbara Rainey Podcast. We want to help you be transformed by Jesus, which will in turn transform your home. Thanks for listening. Every mom understands that part of her job as a mom is to help her child or children prepare for adulthood. But as we'll hear today, the transition to the empty nest can be an emotional one. Barbara is the co-author, along with her friend Susan Yates, of a book called Barbara and Susan's Guide to the Empty Nest. They wrote it to help parents view this time not as something to dread, but as the beginning of the next big adventure. Barbara, we're going to be hearing a message that you and Susan Yates gave talking about some of those empty nest issues. But first, let me read this note from a woman who wrote to say, I've been reading Barbara's empty nest book. I was encouraged to hear about your daughter who had wandered from the faith and to find out that we are not alone. Barbara is so right. We just need to choose our words carefully and to pray, pray, pray. God is faithful, and He cares about our children more than we do. Thank you. So I imagine you've heard from a lot of folks who've read the book, who have written you to personally say, thank you for capturing in this book mm-hmm. what we've been living through and couldn't put words to. Yeah, when, especially when we speak, because we get immediate feedback when Susan and I speak to groups of women. They come up and say, Wow, this is exactly what I've been thinking and feeling, and I'm so glad to hear somebody else is talking about it, because it's it's a phase of life that we don't celebrate the same way we celebrate weddings and new babies and going off to school and all of that. We kind of, moms just kind of fade off the radar screen. Mm-hmm. There's no big bang. There's no hoopla to celebrate the end of parenting, and I think it leaves a lot of women feeling lost. Um, not sure what to do with themselves. And so um, we've had great feedback from women who've read the book because they they understand by reading it that we get it because we've been there and we felt those things and we're trying to help them know that they're not alone. I'll let our listeners know how they can get a copy of that book later in this podcast. Now, you raised six children for more than a quarter century. You have 26 grandchildren. And Barbara, your co-author, Susan Alexander Yates, is the mother of five, including a set of twins. She and her husband, John, live in Falls Church, Virginia, and they're the grandparents of 21, including a set of quadruplets. Right. (laughs) Wow. Barbara and Susan spoke on the subject of the empty nest to a group of women in Dallas. This was a number of months ago, but we're going to give our listeners an opportunity to hear what they shared with those women. Here are Barbara Rainey and Susan Yates talking about issues women experience as they face the empty nest. 
Susan and I have discovered on this journey that all of us are asking the same questions, and they boil down to four questions. And the first one is, am I the only one who feels this way? I remember thinking that and feeling that after my youngest left, and it's a very common emotion for us in the empty nest. Most empty nesters feel that they're the only one. One of the big ones for us, for both of us, was loneliness because the house is empty and it's quiet, and we're not used to that. I remember when it hit me. I have a vivid picture. Our kids all married young. They graduated from college in a period of seven years, and most of them got married right after college. So I never had a chance to really adjust to the empty nest because as our third child was graduating from high school to go off to the university, our first child was getting married within a week period of time. And so I was overwhelmed. So it wasn't for me until our last daughter, one of the twins, got married. Our twins got married within six weeks of each other. So that was a crazy summer. And they're girls. And they're girls. <laughs> yeah. And I remember the day after Libby's wedding, she was the last to marry, going up to the girls' room that they'd grown up in, that they'd shared their whole life, and Susie and her husband, who'd been married for six weeks, were packing up the U-Haul to empty everything else that was left in the room. And as I stood in the room, I looked around at the walls, and there were lines where the pictures had hung. You know, there were pieces of little scraps of paper. But otherwise, the room was bare. And as that truck pulled out of the driveway with my last child off to her new life, I just sort of dissolved into tears and crumpled on the floor. And as I looked at these bare walls, I noticed the closet door was ajar. And on the floor of the closet, I saw a rumpled old blue prom dress. It seemed out of place. It was all alone. It was not needed anymore. It, in a way, was out of style. And as I looked at that prom dress, I thought, that's just how I feel. I'm not needed anymore. I'm a little out of style. And I remember just sobbing. And so for me, that was a real, oh me, this really is the empty nest, as all of my children were finally married. Well, all of us will experience different things as we hit the empty nest. And as Barbara and Dennis experienced the beginnings of the empty nest, they experienced it with some real heartache. Yeah, we did. As we uh, began the empty nest season, we were in a season of suffering as parents. One of our daughters, when she hit her senior year, things really began to unravel in some pretty serious life-altering ways. And we'd sort of been dealing with some of her issues through high school, and we were doing all everything that we could think of to help her. Um, and it seemed like at times things were working, but we found ourselves in a really difficult season as that year progressed, dealing with an eating disorder, and she began to experiment with alcohol and drugs. And our lives as a family just began to spiral and it really affected us and our marriage. And here we are entering, we're approaching the empty nest. We weren't there yet, but this was the way we entered our empty nest. And so we spent her senior year watching other families do proms and graduation ceremonies and all these wonderful senior activities, and we were wondering where our daughter was. Where was she spending the night? And it was such a, a time of heartache and loss for us when it should be a joyous, wonderful season of life. So we were in a very vulnerable place in our marriage and in our family because of this great suffering. 
uh, that we were experiencing. We went through that season, um, and two, there were two things that were very important for us. One was a small group of friends, and it was just really a couple of couples who stood with us and prayed for us. Um, even when we didn't know if they were praying, um, there were many times that we didn't even see them, but they had committed to pray for us through this difficult time in our lives. And the second thing that really got me through that season of life was God's Word. I remember I had um, uh, the verse James 1, verses 2 through 8 written out on a card, and I taped that card to my steering wheel, and it must have been there for two or three months. And when I would get in my car and something dramatic had happened or something was really weighing on my heart for my daughter, I would I remember driving down the street saying that out loud over and over again because there was nothing else that I could hang on to. Nothing else seemed stable in my life except God's Word. So those two things really, really got us through. So we've learned that the empty nest is a season of great change. And one of the most important things for navigating the season of the empty nest is friendships. And we've learned a lot about friendships in the last few years as we've worked on this and how important it is for us as women to have some good friends who can stand with us in the journey. The second question that's on your outline is, what is happening to my relationships? You know, as we enter the empty nest, and we sort of have been feeling this as our kids become teenagers, but our relationships are changing. Um, we've learned that our marriages are in different places. My marriage was very different as we approached the empty nest than it was when we began our marriage. We were two very different people after 25, 30 years than we were when we started. Bess and Gary couldn't wait for the empty nest. Raising their kids had been tough. They'd had different approaches to discipline. They'd struggled on a tight budget, and they'd postponed many of their dreams in order to be with their kids. Now the last one was leaving, and they felt they'd done the best they could. Finally, they were about to be free from the daily stresses of parenting. They were excited. They couldn't wait for it to be just us again. Shelly's situation was just the opposite. She poured her life into her kids. They had come first. Now as the last child got ready to leave, she was scared, really scared. I don't even feel like I know my husband. I haven't been alone with him since I was 26. (laughs) Our whole life has revolved around the kids. Now what will we talk about at the dinner table? What will we do on weekends? I don't even know if I have the energy left to put into this relationship. And I don't know if I want to. Two very realistic pictures of what we face in this new season. Well, as Johnny and I walked into the empty nest, I needed to be aware that I could put undue pressure on my husband. That's one trap I could fall in. On the other end of the spectrum, I could easily fall into this trap. Well, now that the children are gone, he's just going to work longer at the office. He's going to take on more projects. I'll just get involved in more of the things I've involved in, and we'll just get busier and busier, and we'll pass in the night when it's convenient. And I realized that that was equally as dangerous because I could become emotionally disengaged, and that would only lead to isolation. So it was really helpful to me to recognize these two extremes You know, not only does our marriage need to be renegotiated, but also our relationship with our adult children is going to change. Picture with me for a moment a seesaw. You know how when you were little, you'd get on a seesaw with a friend, 
And part of the fun of the seesaw was to, one of you had to move in, who was a little bit heavier, and the lighter one move, move out so that you could balance in midair. Keep that picture in mind for a minute, because I think as moms, we have two tendencies as we release our adult children. On one end of the seesaw is the helicopter parent, and on the other end of the seesaw is the hands-off parent. Now, the helicopter parent is the parent that is perhaps a little too involved with her child. She's on the phone. Did you get the class on time? And what are you going to wear? And what are your plans for the weekend? And, oh, are you eating right? And tell me who your friends are. And the child may be on the phone throughout the day, dumping on mom, which gets mom all upset. And five minutes after the child is dumped, she's fine. And mom is leveled for the rest of the day. Um, it's very easy for us to micromanage our children from a distance. That's the helicopter parent. The hands-off parent, on the other hand, is one that says, out of sight, out of mind, sort of. <laughs> I've raised this child to be independent. They need to know that I have confidence in them. I am not going to call them, as a friend of mine who just sent her first off to college this year, said, you, we're not allowed to call them for the first three weeks. Now, she is a, a chronic hands-off parent. Um, doesn't know his class schedule. Doesn't know who his friends are wants to give him space so that he can become his own man. Let me quickly say that both the helicopter parent and the hands-off parent love their child. They want that child to be secure. So in our book, we talk in greater detail about these two tendencies and give several practical helps on how you can seek to balance that seesaw. Mm -hmm. So our first two questions are, what is happening to me? Am I the only one who feels this way? And secondly, what is happening to my relationships? Yeah, there are two words that I want you to remember on uh, what is happening to my relationships. The first one is intentional. Mm -hmm. Become intentional in your marriage relationship and in key friendships. So become intentional in those important relationships. And then the second word that's key is flexible. Become flexible in your relationship with your children. So our third question is, who have I become? Now, as we all know, the empty nest is a major transition, and transitions are just plain awkward. And the reality is that we, whatever season of life we're in, expect stability to be the norm. But in fact, transition is more the norm in daily life. Just look back at the transitions we've already experienced. Leaving home, marriage, a first baby, a new job, a new boss in an old job, financial loss, moves, illnesses, a crisis with a child, a national or international crisis. With each one of these transitions, we keep waiting for life to calm down. <laughs> But the reality is life never calms down. It just gets more complicated. We long for a period of predictability and stability. We think that that's the way life should be, predictable and stable and calm. It even seems to be for some of our friends. My sister is very wise and often when we look at other women, as you perhaps have done in this room this morning, you see another woman 
and she looks so perfectly put together. And you just sit there and imagine her life is all together. Her marriage is great. Her kids are great. She's in stability and calm. And my sister says, there's always data missing. <laughs> you don't know. That's all right. Um, it's helpful to remember that. We are all much more alike than we give the perception of being. The empty nest is messy. And sometimes in order to figure out who we are and what we're to do in this season, we need to take a break. It's really important to take a break. And in all honesty, Barbara was much better at taking a break than I was. And I want her to tell you about that. Well, part of the reason I took a break is because I was sort of forced to. Um, because we get, I began the empty nest in a very emotionally depleted state, I knew I just couldn't jump into the next thing. I didn't have the energy to jump into the next thing that Susan did. And I realized I needed some time off. And so Susan and I want to give you permission to take a break mm -hmm that first year after your youngest leaves. Don't feel like you have to jump into the next activity. Don't feel like you have to sign up. Now that I'm free, I can do 100 things that I've been wanting to do. You may want to do that, but it would be wise if you took a break. It could be as short as a weekend away where you retreat by yourself and do some thinking and evaluating. You may want to take a couple weeks off. You may want to take a couple months off or maybe a whole semester and not do anything and pull back and evaluate your life and think about what is it that I want to do with the rest of my life. As you do that, think about a couple, two things in particular, and we have other things for you to think about in our book, but two in particular are, look back over your life and say, what am I thankful for? And begin to make a list of the things that you're thankful for, the things that God has done, all of the good things. It's so easy to focus on the bad things and the losses. But what are those good things that I can be thankful for? And then secondly, you might want to evaluate what are the issues, what are the relationships, what are the needs that I have avoided because I've been so busy? What are the gaps in my marriage? What are the gaps in my other relationships? What are things in my life that I have sort of swept aside because I've been so busy raising kids that I dare not ignore anymore, that now that I have the time, I can focus on these issues in my life? And it would also be a good time to spend time with your husband just thinking ahead. What do we want to do with the rest of our lives? What do we want the rest of our lives to look like? Um, as Dennis and I have talked about this, we've made some promises to each other. And a couple of them are, um, one is we have promised each other we are not going to become gripey, cynical old people. <laughs> and we're already seeing how easy that would be to become that way because things are starting to fall apart. And... We don't like the way we feel some days, and, you know, we're creaky, and it would be real easy to gripe about that. So we've, we've committed to one another that we're not going to do that. Secondly, we've promised that we're going to do everything we can to stay healthy and to stay strong mentally and to stay on the cutting edge. And then the third thing that we have decided together as a couple is that we intend to use our lives for God's purposes for as long as he gives us breath. We want to be engaged in kingdom activities None of us knows how long we have left. We may only have a couple of years. We may have 10 years. But I want my life, and Dennis wants his life, and I know John and Susan feel the same way. We want our lives to be maximized for the kingdom of God for the years that we have left. Yeah. So far, we've looked at three questions. Does anyone feel this way? What is happening to my relationships? And who have I become? But we have a final question. Yeah. And the fourth question is, what is my new purpose? 
One of the ben benefits of the empty nest is the nature of its transition. It is a turning point in all of our lives as women. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, but nonetheless, it's a, it can be a season that's full of benefits and full of opportunities because we can pull back and we can say, why am I here? And in our generation, we are healthier, we have greater resources, and we will probably live longer than previous generations of women. So it's a wonderful opportunity for us in this, in this season of life to look forward to the empty nest. One of the things that Barbara and I have discovered as we've talked to other women is how many women now in the season of the empty nest are asking spiritual questions. Mm -hmm. There have been many times of recommitment for both Barbara and me over the years. We've had many questions along the way, many doubts. There have been uncomfortable times. There have been hard times. But spiritual growth is much like physical growth. There are growth spurts, and they are really awkward hard times. But the fact is that we're still growing. So no matter where you are, in your own spiritual journey. We really feel like the empty nest season is a great time to reevaluate your life and to reevaluate your spiritual uh, relationship with God at the same time. There's a verse in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 10 that says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And as long as we are on this earth, God has a plan for us, and He wants to be working in our lives. And so... You can apply that to your life and say, God has a plan for me. Each and every one of you, God has a specific plan for you, for how he wants to use you for the rest of your life. And so as you transition into the empty nest or as you're adjusting in your early years of the empty nest, take some time to think, what am I good at? Evaluate your life. Evaluate where you can plug in that would make the biggest difference uh, for eternity. Let me give you just a little snapshot of some three friends that we have that started something quite by accident. They live in a small town in Pennsylvania, and they walk every morning. They do the big walk up the hill, and then their reward for their exercise, they're all empty nesters, is to meet at Starbucks. And so they do the hill walk, and then they meet at Starbucks. And one morning they were at Starbucks, which is sort of the center of town. They were sitting at a table, and they had their lattes, and they noticed a young mom in tears, standing in line to get her coffee. And my friend Sue said to her, she didn't really know her, but she said, hey, come sit with us. You look like you need a hug. And so this young mother went over and sat with my three empty nest friends. And she began to pour out her heart about a situation she had with one of her children. It was a pre-teenager, and she was in the throes of desperation. Now, my three wise empty nest friends had been through so much of what she was going through. They could identify with her feelings. They themselves had been through different issues. And they were able to listen to her, to comfort her, and yet also to give her some very practical advice, simply because they had experience and wisdom. As my friends sat there and visited, after a little while, the young mom got up, and as she left, she turned to them and said, oh, thank you so much. This has so encouraged me. And my friend Sue said, well, it's just free advice. You can take it or leave it. <laughs> and in that moment was born the Take It or Leave It Club. <laughs> and Sue and Sally and Jackie began to set up a regular table at Starbucks. 
after their morning walks and word spread through this community that this was a table where hassled young moms could go and sit and be comforted by older moms. God wants us to be what I call fat women, faithful, available, and teachable. <laughs> it's a great acronym, isn't it? So because we know you women have uh, these nurturing skills and mothering skills, we want to challenge you with this take it or leave it club idea to encourage young moms. We in our generation need to unite in living second season lives of great purpose. We don't want to settle for mediocrity. The time is too short. Why do that? God has great purposes for our lives and we want to challenge you to discover those and not settle for mediocrity, but live for the kingdom of God. We've been listening to Barbara Rainey and Susan Yates sharing some important questions every mom might be asking as she approaches the time when her nest empties out. Again, those questions are these. First, what is happening to me? Am I the only one who feels this way? And of course, the answer is no. Number two, what is happening to my relationships? Number three, who have I become? And number four, what is my new purpose? And through the magic of technology, Barbara and Dennis are here today with me. Barbara, solid relationships are key in this time of a woman's life, aren't they? Yeah, I think they're really important because I think the danger in the empty nest years is to become isolated because our relationships revolved around our kids and those families and those parents. And I think it's important in the empty nest that we become intentional in developing couple friendships and woman-to-woman friendships and man-to-man friendships that are that are not tied to our children. Um, we need that for the long haul. And And usually it's our friends that mirror back to us uh, answers to questions we're asking as we transition into this season of life. And in the back of uh, one of the chapters, I think it's chapter nine on take a break and kind of evaluate your life, um, Barbara and Susan have a number of questions in here. And, and I do think these questions are best answered by your spouse and some of the friends who know you the best. It really can be a satisfying time. And I know there's some of the moms who are listening to us right now, or maybe a dad or two in the early stages of your family, you're, you're listening to us and you're saying, this is going to be a long way off. Well, you know what? It happens in a blink. And you need to prepare, get ready, and you need to do it right. And to have these questions that you have put here at the end of each of the chapters of the book, it gives a reader an opportunity to really process some of the same things you pondered through as a mom yeah. who was new to the emptiness season of life and wasn't exactly sure which direction to go. To be able to think through these questions and be prepared for it, or if you were in the middle of it, to be able to find some help and counsel to navigate your way through it, I think it's going to be extremely helpful for many of our listeners. And let me say to our listeners, the book Barbara and Susan's Guide to the Empty Nest is available from Ever Thine Home. Here's how you can order a copy. Just head to everthinehome.com slash empty nest and make a donation of $30 or more. Your gift not only helps cover the cost of the book and shipping it to you, but it also helps support the ministry of Ever Thine Home. You'll be able to indicate you'd like to receive the book by Barbara Rainey and Susan Yates. 
Again, the web address is everthinehome.com slash empty nest. Thanks for listening today. Coming up next time, a closer look at how Barbara encourages her daughters to weather the storms in their marriages. I hope you'll join us for that. I'm Samantha Lauchs, inviting you back for the Barbara Rainey podcast from Ever Thine Home.